Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskan. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Good morning and welcome to The Michael Reed Show. You're with Alan Cantwell until 11 o'clock this morning. And this morning we're giving over the entire programme to listen to your stories, the real stories of hardship, the real stories of the difficulties that families with children, single parents, employed, unemployed people have been facing over the past number of months and the difficulties that they will be facing in the coming months and the uncertainty around this crisis that we are heading into. The Minister for Finance will be taking to his feet next week to deliver Budget 2023. People will be listening with expectation, in anticipation, that uh, measures will be put in place to ensure that families, the parents, will be able to cope financially and otherwise over the coming months. We'll be joined by senior government ministers online, in studio. We'll be listening to people, their stories, the real stories of hardship that they'll be facing. And we want you to contact us as well. You can text or WhatsApp us on 86 685 or you can email michael at lmfm.ie. If you want to come on air and you want to remain anonymous, that's absolutely fine. We'll bring you on air to listen to your stories. Let's move on, though. We want to go first to um, Minister of State for Business, Employment and Retail, uh, Fudegail TD for Meath East, Damien English. Minister, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me on. I think it's a worthwhile exercise just before the budget is announced. Yeah, and, and I think your your mind will certainly be focused by some of the stories that you hear here this morning. But before we get into that, I think the common denominator around this, Minister, is that people are looking for some form of certainty, some form of confidence. I'm, I'm not asking you to, you know, give out the secrets of the budget because I know you can't do that but I want you to try and give some sense of confidence certainty and urgency on the part of the government that you're actually taking this seriously and doing something about it so the the microphone is yours for the next minute or so if you want to set out your stall in that respect well, well, absolutely. I mean, we're very clear in Fine Gael and, and the three parties of the government that there has to be a strong response to give people that certainty in next week's budget. That's why we brought it forward to bring it in early uh, because people need to know exactly what supports will be in place uh, over the next number of months to get through a difficult time. I want to say very clearly, we will use the budget next week uh, to use taxpayers' money at the surplus we have this year uh, to invest in families and to protect them and to get them through a difficult couple of months ahead in relation to the cost of living. We were, we've already announced in, in packages over the last year 
to about two and a half billion will go well well beyond that next week's budget and there'll be quite a large package to deal with the cost of living. We will focus in around families, uh, the families who are trying to survive at home to stretch their budget and pay the extra cost of living when it comes to energy. We will support those who are at work. There'll be a tax package as well to make sure that if they get any increases over the last year that they'll be able to bring home those increases and not have to pay too much tax as well because work always has to, pay, has to pay and we will encourage that as well. Naturally, we know there's quite a number of people who are unable to go to work. Uh, there could be carers, there could be disability allowances, pensioners or fixed income. There will be increases there as well to, again, protect their budget and to give them extra support to get through a difficult time too. On top of all that, and to make sure we have the funding in the country to be able to assist people when it comes to social welfare, when it comes to education, when it comes to health, we will be supporting businesses and the jobs they are creating. We are lucky at the moment in this country that over two and a half million people are at work. We have rebounded quite well from COVID, but we have to keep those people at work. And that means we have to support those businesses, businesses that we did support during COVID and that we will continue to support in the months ahead at difficult times too, because we understand we have to be able to um, have a functioning economy where people at work to give us the taxes we need to su- support those who need extra help. And I'm very conscious, and I know we're going to hear some stories today, I deal with every day of the week in my office with people who are going through a vulnerable time. But they need to know the state, the government is on their side. We will assist next week with the budget for clarity, but there are also ongoing supports as well. We, you know, and, and we will respond at different times over next year if need be as well. But the budget will be a strong commitment uh, to people, uh, people's family budgets okay. as well. Very good, Minister. Thank you for that. Uh, we will pick up on some of those points throughout the course of our conversation. But first, I want to bring you a question that was... Um, identified for you to take up and it reads I'm a mother of two children based in Midlouth I was due to return to work last May when my maternity leave ended when my youngest was six weeks old I started looking for a creche for my two children there's no creche places available for any child under one in Midlouth until September 2023 I've spoken to childcare committees local TDs but there is nothing that can be done I cannot return to work until my youngest is one and I still cannot find a creche place locally that will take him when the time comes I had one creche quote me 1650 euro per month to mine both children with an additional 64.50 a week outside of term time which is nearly double my mortgage that same creche rang me f- a few months later to inform me they had no space for my older child we are only entitled to the universal credit on the NCS so the pathetic her words 80 euro a month for one child will make no dent in that cost. Our income is 3,000 over the limit for NCS. The three creches near me will not take a child under two. I've now secured a private minder to take my children when I return to work in December, when the youngest is one, as she doesn't take younger kids. I'm suffering badly mentally and financially, with only one wage coming in, and I'm on unpaid leave. Something needs to be done for parents who have no choice but to use private minders due to the government's failure to provide creche places for all parents who need them. We are literally being hammered with bills, oil, coal, diesel, electricity, and we are struggling to meet them as we can't get childcare, so I can't return to work. We've gotten this far with no help from the government. Government, We couldn't even use help to buy when we bought our house because the only new bills in the last 15 years in my area our council, and we couldn't get planning permission to build over the hedge for my family home. This country does not support working families. 
we would emigrate, only we want our children to speak with Irish accents and not Australian or Canadian accents. What can you say to that woman, Minister? Uh, and look, we, we want to make sure that she has the option to stay in Ireland and to continue to, to take up work here when, it, when it's appropriate for her to go back to work. Look, that, there's a lot going on for that, for, the, for that family. I'll focus in around the childcare. I think that's the main part of the question and will feature it in, in next week's budget. We're very aware, and I'm very aware, in, in certainly in pressure counties like Loud, like County Mead, across Dublin, there's immense pressure when it comes to childcare places and sourcing childcare providers as well. And that's why there has been a response over the last budget and there will be a, a large response in next week's budget. The two issues are here. The shortage of places are partly uh, to do with uh, developing areas like Loud and Mead with increased populations, but also some of the changes coming out of COVID where some providers were, were, were unable to continue or to expand. So we've sat down with the sector uh, to try to put a sustainable footing on, on the funding over the next number of years. We've committed in the, in the childcare strategy to spend up to $1 billion of taxpayers' money subsidising the childcare sector to reduce the fees for families like we've just discussed here today. That's bringing funding from about $300 million up, up to a billion now over the next couple of years. The first part of that is in this, this, this week, happened last week, we increased the funding supports to the childcare sector of over $221 million and with additional money to be confirmed in next week's budget as well. What's happening there is to put childcare on a fair footing and early education sector, we put in place new wage agreements uh, to protect the staff, to increase their wages, which we think will attract in more, more staff to work in the sector. And we're funding the providers to cover all those extra costs and extra training supports as well. That will help provide more places in the long term. There will be increased subsidies. The commitment from the sector uh, to, to the state is with the increased money they're given, they are reducing their, freezing their fees and reducing them because we understand that it's not affordable for many, many families to go back to work and pay these high charges as well. So you will see reductions okay. and you'll also see increased places. But also that family who are working, they need to see that the, the National Child Care Scheme, the NCS Scheme, is actually there works for them as well. It is there uh, at a subsidy for all families, but it's various levels and they're, they're certainly coming in at a lower level. And that's an area that's been targeted by Roger the government. And I, I'm confident we'll see announcements in that space next week as well. Okay, very we, good. We want, as I said, to encourage families to be able to go to work where they can, but it has to pay them to do that as well. Okay, Carol Lennon from Mornington in County Meath, mother of five children, four of whom have autism, joins us in studio this morning. Carol, thank you so much for coming in to us. Give me a breakdown of your day, your daily routine, the difficulties you face and you know, how you manage to get through. Well, every day varies. So today, for example, my daughter woke at 3am, so I'm awake since 3am. Um, they generally, I'm up at five, so I lost two hours sleep today, which is not bad in comparison to some other people. But trying to get them out the door to school, the four slot leave at about 20 past seven. No, the four slot leave at about quarter to seven, they get the bus to Dublin. The second lot leave about 20 past seven and the third one is at five to eight. Once that's done, I'm on to paperwork, research, assisting other families because my family is well progressed at this stage. We're dealing with young people who don't know where to turn because the services are simply not available. We're using excessive amounts of fuel, travelling to and from appointments. We can turn them down. And this is specifically in relation to autism, is it? People it's disability okay. by and large. I mean, I have four young people with autism. Now, mine, the youngest now is 14, but they still require a lot of care. You know, it's far more substantial than that of their peers. So even the one that's in UCD who's doing really well is only there because he's supported there. And I have to have the phone on 
all of the time to answer if he's in crisis. I have to go to UCD. It doesn't, nothing changes. The challenges become different. Okay, those challenges presumably are compounded by what is happening at the moment with increases in fuel, light, etc., inflation, all that sort of thing. Everything. And I mean, the stress that carers are under just as a role of carer is then exacerbated by the role of how are we going to manage this financially? Because I honestly, I don't know. It's it's worrying. And all the measures that's been kited this week and last is like there'll be PRSI contributions made in 2024. Like, why not now? Why not 20 years ago? Do you know? what, what does a carer get in terms of an allowance per week? So a basic carer will get 224 per week. Now that's means tested, right? So if your partner or your spouse is earning 750 euros, for every euro over 750, they reduce it by 50 cent. Now considering the average wage in 2021 was 993.77, that eradicates an awful lot of the carers. Do you know, there's a lot of carers I know who get nothing. They get no recognition whatsoever. Now, these are people who didn't say, oh, I think I'll stay at home and mind a disabled person. These are people whose children were born disabled. They had careers as medical secretaries, lawyers, engineers. They're at home now on 224 a week. They get 224 a week if their spouse doesn't earn more than 750. If their spouse earns 800, they get 199 a week. Minister, do you want to come in there and maybe, you know, answer that question from the perspective that these people, people such as, as Carol, are doing the job that the state should be really doing and they're betting, getting paid a pittance for it. It's just not fair. I would agree with Carol. Uh, this is something that has to change and there's been a, a lot of effort and I've worked closely with Minister Head over the last couple of years to try to recognise the, in a greater way the role carers are playing and to help them do what they do because they're doing two things they're doing it on behalf of their own family absolutely but they're also looking after their children on behalf of the state and stepping in where the state has, has failed to provide enough services for their children so there's no doubt about that and I'm very clear on this we have to do more for carers like Carol and I will continue to work with them and champion them on, on those causes the biggest issue I think and Carol touched on it there is the means test uh, and as staff minister, I had office on numerous occasions this because I think it's it's unfair for someone who is providing the care that Carol is doing and many others like her that they also have to go through a means test. The cost of the state will be immense if Carol didn't do what she does, uh, and that's something I think we have to focus. There's been some progress in the last budget. There'll be more steps in next week's budget to to increase the disregard for couples and to support carers. Okay. But it's not enough. And I know, Minister, we, we know that and we don't for a moment uh, underestimate that you are doing work to try and resolve that matter. But we need to see action. Words, we, they just don't wash no, with I the would, likes of Carol. Yeah, I would agree, Alan, and, uh, and then Carol will agree too. We have to move this faster. Uh, there is, uh, in my view, there are carers out there who are providing 24-hour care for, for children who need uh, assistance, uh, you know, not all the time, on constant, on constant call. We have to be able to, without a doubt, look, look after them in a better way. And there should be no, in my view, means test for that. I do believe we're moving in that direction. I don't think we'll achieve that in next week's budget. There will be increase in the support. There'll be progress made. There'll be assistance to deal with all the increased bills uh, this year. But I think we have to really push this hard over the next couple of years to try to get there once and for all the carers are looked after. Now, there are different levels of care, which Carol knows that. But I think we have to support those carers who are who are you know given their full time life to the, to looking after their loved ones. They need extra support, and then there's other carers who need other interventions. 
and sometimes it's not just financial, it's, it's, it's also assistance, okay. it's, it's access to the services, which we know are not the level they should be in Loudermead. Okay, I want to bring I want to bring Carol back well. in there. Carol, you've heard these words, words time and time and time again, but no action. I'm listening to them 20 years, Alan, and I'll tell you, what was even more of a kick in the face for carers, and this is nationwide, was when the pandemic hit, they brought in the pandemic unemployment payment, right? Brilliant idea. I had a family member who worked as a tramp in a trampoline park and she got eight hours a week at 10 euros an hour. She was given 350 euros, which is 126 euros a week more than me. Right. She had nothing to do. I had my five people at home because the schools were closed. Employment was closed. The colleges were closed. The recent introduction of the basic income for artists is 325. Right. That's not means tested. Pandemic unemployment payment wasn't means tested. So the only ones that are being means tested are those where the people are actually working for their money. We work 168 hours a week. Now, in a 40 hour week, if we were to base it on a 40 hour week, we get €5.60 per hour. An hour. That's less than half of what the minimum wage is. If we were an agency carer, they get eleven fifty an hour. I have a daughter working making sandwiches who gets paid a lot more than that yeah. per hour. And can I tell you, your daughter who's making the sandwiches is also getting holiday entitlement, PRSI contributions, pension contributions. We get nothing. If my child passes away today, in six weeks time, I have to go back onto the live register. I'm straight back to work. Not only am I straight back to work, but the 20 years that I've provided care for count for nothing. I've no qualifications or anything. Very good. Let's take a break there. Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. Welcome back to the programme 086 658. We just want to let you know that Minister Damien English is going to stay with us for a little bit longer. Thanks for that, Minister. I want you uh, perhaps to listen to our next guest. Her name is Nolene Pearl. She's a widow in her 80s and she joins us on the line this morning. Nolene, good morning. Thanks for taking our call this morning. Good morning, Alan. It's no problem at all. I want you to tell our listeners the difficulties you have, the difficulties you face and the fears for the future you have. Absolutely, yes. Sabine has got a long life, but it should be better than what's happening now. You know, we're worse now. And um, I'm a member of Third Age and all our members are the same. Like, we're all only pensioners. We don't have a, a fortune that we can go and buy oil every time we need it. So I leave, I put by a few pounds every, euros every week out of my pension to save up for the next drop of oil. And do you have, do you have oil now going into the winter? Are you able to afford it? Yes, I have, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Uh, I can't, I'm not using it because I'm afraid that I'd run it out. So I, uh, have to be careful also with the electric light and all that. It's very annoying. And what about food? Are you able to put food on the table? Well, by the time we get all the little bits like the phone bill, the DSB bill and the, the wherever other bills, there's not a lot left. So I get him food just for one, you know. Now, things are going to get a little bit colder in the coming months. Thankfully, the weather has been pretty mild for this time of year. But come November, December, January, 
it'll be very, very difficult for you and and for your other pensioner friends. Yes, it will. And this morning when I got up, the whole lawn was white with frost. So I thought, is this another annoying thing to be happening? You know, because... I mean, I never thought I'd see the day I'd be sitting in a chair with a shawl around my shoulders and a fleece on me and the house, the kitchen in darkness. It's, it's miserable. So tell me about about your day. What do you do from the point of getting up to going to bed to try and keep yourself warm, to try and keep yourself fed, just to try and keep going? Yes, that's the way it is. Just watching everything, minding everything. Keep me sure, and I'm a person that worries a lot, and I'd be worrying about this oil running out and the ESB bills coming in and food bills, and, uh, you know, all of our pensions. And what are you doing to save heat, to save electricity? Nothing. Just not using it. You talk to us about, you know, having to put a shawl around you and doing things and blankets and... Yes, yes, it, it's, yes. It's very worrying. I mean, is anybody dropping in and keeping an eye on you? Oh, yes. Well, my family are around me. Some of them, you know, live around around here, you know. But and I have a daughter who comes in to see uh, and everything is okay and they, they help me out with going for shops shops to get me stuff like you know I, w- I want to bring in um, the minister there stay with us Nolan minister that sort of story it's very distressing to hear that we have a woman in her 80s who is afraid she's almost in terror that she won't be able to keep the lights on or keep the heat going over winter that's an appalling situation is it not um, hi, hi, Nolan. And look, Alan, I'll, I'll, I'll talk in general, but Nolan, if, if it's appropriate and if it's okay, I might call to you as well because I'd be very concerned with the, the, the fear you're living in and the anxiety you have there. Uh, and I, I'll be honest, you shouldn't have to have those fears, and there will be enough support announced in the budget to allay those worries you have and to deal with your concerns. But I might call to you to go through that with you directly uh, because we can't have someone like you living in those kind of worries when there are supports there to assist you during difficult times. So if that's okay, I might follow up with you offline as well. But Alan, to speak in general to Nolan... That would be great. No no problem at all. And Nolan, to speak to yourself and to many others, you will see the reassurance next week that there'll be the extra money you need to be able to get you through the the winter in relation to providing heat and electricity for yourself. You shouldn't be in that position where you feel you have to only put the, the heat on for an hour or two a day like the fuel allowances there would be increased. The living alone allowance would be increased to look after someone like yourself because it is harder if you're a pensioner on your own trying to manage a full house. There's no doubt about that. And that's why we have seen stepped increases for the living alone allowance. But, I, but also I think the extra supports towards fuel that are there for every family. But there's also a, a scheme that if you need extra assistance at a difficult time, you can apply for that. And you will fit into that category. So I'd be very happy to sit down with you walk through that and we, we, we we'll be able to help because I, I understand people are so worried and there's a lot of anxiety out there. I have to say very clearly some of that is unnecessary and we'll be able to make that clear with the budget next week but I totally understand most people you talk to are extremely worried and are very fearful so we have to guide you through that now in the months ahead and I think we will and it's important that you hear very clear announcements next week of the additional supports there that are for you to help you when it comes to fuel costs and energy costs. We know 
the majority of the difficulty coming to anybody, knowing yourself and others, is around energy and the cost of that and the fear of where is it going to end up. So we will work with you on that next week and the week after because that's very clear that you, you, know, you can't be sitting there in that worried situation. And I know I know what, how much you're involved in the community and through Torrid Age and that, that's great. Um, but you need to have you, you can't be living in that concern and that worry and we'll make sure to, to ease that for you Okay Nolan what we will do is after this conversation we will hook you up the two of you up and they can, you can get that organised with the Minister but I want to ask you again Nolan you came into the world a little bit after World War Two, very difficult period globally and in Ireland there was rationing and everything else do you see the comparisons between now and then? I do, because, uh, you know, everything was rationed at that time. And you you just got the bare necessities, you know. And uh, when the siren would go, we'd all have to leave our homes and go down into an awful old place to wait till the plane has gone by or something. You know, I remember lots of little bits and pieces, but it was if I went to the shop of my mother, I couldn't ask for it a sweet, get some sweets or anything like that, you know. And back then it was a case of make do, but it's different now. You're a little bit older, you're finding things more difficult, you're looking for support and you feel like that you're just being left to fend for yourself. Is that the feeling you get? Despite what the minister said, that he he will help, he will intervene, as will the government next week. But you must have that sense of isolation, do you? I do, yes, I do, because, um, you know, it's strange being here with no electricity or no uh, heat on or, you know, it's it's, it's ridiculous. I, I can't live like that. Okay, Nolene, thank you for for joining us. And as we said, we will um, pass your details on to the Minister and I'm sure his office will be in touch with you just to outline what you are entitled to and to ensure that you are actually getting what you're entitled to. So that's Nolene Pearl. Thank you. Minister, I want to thank you for joining us as well. I know that you have to go. Um, But just finally, are you convinced? Are you happy on the basis of what you know that we, as those who are concerned over the cost of living crisis will get the confidence we require when the Minister delivers his budget? I am very confident, Alan, and, I'm, and look, we're lucky enough that the public fi- finances are in good order. Well, Pascal Dunner and Michael McGrath next week will announce a budget that will okay. assist. Now, and, and, and I have to be very clear here, we can't deal with every increased euro that's there, but we can, we can certainly help people a lot through this. And we have to, there'll be universal payments for anybody, but there'll also be direct intervention and support okay. for people like Carol as Nolan, and that's what we will do and we have to continue to do that this year because it's such a difficult year but also in general we have to con- constantly improve the situation for people right. who, are, who are elderly living alone and who are carers as well We must leave it there Minister Damien English Minister for State for Business, Employment and Retail and for the LTD from East Thank you for joining us Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. Welcome back to the programme. Paddy Malone, PRO of Dundalk Chamber of Commerce, is in studio with us. Uh, Paddy, thanks for joining us. We know what's going on in the business community and the difficulties that you're facing and what you require from the budget. Talk to me a little bit about the experiences you have witnessed and the stories you're hearing in relation to ordinary people in your area. Ordinary? Well, I mean, businesses are ordinary people I mean we, 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 we mean we don't, we're not different from as an employer yeah, diff- different challenges we compared have diff- to households yeah, we have different challenges in, in, in as employers and I mean one of the main concerns has been over the last number of years has been to keep employment 
I mean, people are reluctant to make employees redundant. Uh, and they tr- they co- they covered and tried to keep employees as much as they could during COVID. Um, and, the, and the government scheme was of, of help. The problem we're now looking at is that we've come out of COVID and we're looking at another whammy. So it's, it's a guy on the ropes. Uh, he's staggering. And now he's getting hit again by a second blow. And uh, then that's the trickle-down effect to the household, to the family. Families, yeah. And it means that... You know, employers are saying to employees, we can't afford to pay you an extra, a pay rise. We understand you've got your fuel bills. We understand that you've got uh, an increase in, in, in everything. I mean, whether it's fuel, energy, uh, mortgage rates, it doesn't matter. It's it's coming in. But the most businesses are borrowing. Very few businesses actually have cash. Uh, so they're all in the same boat. They're, everything is the same. And it, it reminds me very much of where we were in the 70s, where there is a race and everyone is trying to catch up on everybody else. And the problem is that that just defeats inflation and it creates uncertainty. And if there's one thing the business community want, it's certainty and a, and a clear direction from the budget. OK, let's talk a little bit about households then. Every Chamber of Commerce wants business to be retained in the area. By virtue of where you are, consumers of a choice, they can nip across the border, do a little bit of shopping there if it's cheaper. And that makes sense. That's prudent economics, household I'm, I'm prudent not, economics. I mean, look, I'm not arguing. One of the Are you th- seeing that happening, no. though? Well, no, we're not. Um, the euro is weak compared to the dollar. Yeah. And, and that's having the impact on petrol prices. Never mind Putin turning it off. There's, there's two reasons for the, for the pet rise. But sterling is equally as weak. So we're not having a currency shift which causes people to move from either Newry to Dundalk or Dundalk to Newry. I mean, the one thing that we don't want in this budget is any VAT increases which are out of alignment with where we are at the moment that would cause that situation. So if the VAT rate's at 23% at the moment and at 9% for certain other products, but if it went up, then there would be that fear among Dundalk businesses and businesses all along the border from Drogheda is a border town as well if you if if if, if it's a significant change so it's everywhere from Drogheda right up to Letterkenny we don't want to see that so we've been consistent with that I mean for example when when they um, increased the sugar tax a couple of years ago we said do it with the UK and that's fine and that's what was done. The one that's coming on the line at the moment may be the alcohol pricing, minimum unit alcohol pricing. We are afraid of that. Yeah, we're, but, but, I think but, we're, but, we're, but we're gone beyond we, alcohol gone because beyond it's that. not about, yeah. it's about no. simple staple. Simple staple foods. Yeah. I can't, I won't argue with anybody who shops around, whether that's north or south. And businesses in the northeast, now that includes Drogheda, have got well used to the border, well used to the currency exchange. I remember talking at a Chamber of Commerce meeting and somebody was complaining about currency movement uh, from Cork. And I said, welcome to the real world. They were complaining in in the context of uh, internet shopping and and all the rest of it. I said, we've been dealing with that for 30 years. And businesses in the region have been and have been cutting their costs, being competitive both to the internet and also to the, the border, across the border. And we, the one thing that we don't want is this stop-go situation. It doesn't help businesses plan either in Newry or Dundalk. I want to ask you a little bit about, you, you touched on COVID. COVID was somewhat different in that we knew there was a start, a middle and an end to it. We don't know where the end game is at the moment. So at what point are businesses saying, that's it, we're done, there's the keys? I we think can't do it I think the government have indicated and 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 European the Europe Europe has indicated that it's the next six months to March 
is the critical period. And I think there will be a stock taken at that stage by a lot of businesses and we will see what happens. What worries me is that even in the news this morning, there's an announcement that there's a 30% increase in applications for liquidations. Um, that was that, Deloitte report. Deloitte yeah. report. That only... And ha- that's conservative, by the way. Uh, that's very much the first so. three quarters If you'd asked me to guess, I would have had it higher on figure than that. And that was based on my own anecdotal evidence from the region. And I think the problem with that is it creates a cascading effect because if I'm waking up, if a client of mine wakes up in the morning, I'm an accountant. So if a client of mine wakes up in the morning and see that his biggest customer has just gone bust, the first thing he's going to do is look and say, well, how much does he owe me? Uh, And where does that leave me? And, you know, one guy collapsing could well trickle down and, as you said yourself, Alan, and damage four or five companies. Maybe not kill them, but damage them. Okay, very briefly, we're running out of time on this. As you you talked about the 70s, you've been around as long as I have. We've seen worse and we'll probably see worse again. But do you get the sense that the government have a plan? Now, we have to wait for the details of it, but do you think they have a plan? Well, they've had long enough to get it right. Let's put it that way. Um, and the warning shot has been coming since last March. I mean, I was looking at my own budget, the, the Chamber's budget submission, and it very much is almost out of date because circumstances and events have caught up with us. But it's been well flagged, because we wrote that in May. Okay. It's been well flagged over the last three or four months. I'll be disappointed if they don't address the issues properly and, and coherently. Um, all parties want the same thing. Stability for the next six months, please. Okay, Paddy Malone, PRO of Dundalk Chamber of Commerce, joining us in studio. Thank you. Michael Reed on LMFM. 086 that's the number if you want to give us a call. Thomas Byrne, Minister for European Affairs and Fianna Fáil TD for Mead East, uh, joins us in studio this morning. Minister, thanks for joining us. I, I want to get through a few bits and pieces just to bring things into focus in terms of what we're talking about this morning. What we're talking about this morning is the difficulties families are facing in this particular cost of living crisis and the months of uncertainty that they're facing into coming into winter. Siobhan rang in to share her situation. She's separated with three children at home. She's on a tracker mortgage, so her mortgage is rising. And that's just one thing to point out that people forget. Once you are on a tracker mortgage, once the ECB puts up interest rates, it happens instantly. Your mortgage goes up. That's not necessarily the case when it comes to financial institutions uh, that you are dealing with when you're on a fixed rate or you're on a variable rate. But when you're tracked to the ECB on a tracker, you get hit instantly. Now, she's dreading the electricity and heating bills because money is so tight, she'll be borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. With her priority being to keep the house going and her children fed, she's trying to make savings wherever she can and with four in the house, is trying to be careful when they take a shower. Her kids have been asking if they can put on the heating for an hour in the evening, but she's putting that off for as long as possible. Another big thing is that her house could do with retrofitting, but she just can't afford it. Siobhan pointed out that she was in a car accident in 2018 and ended up on social welfare. It didn't work well for her in that she was able to retain uh, a good job on the back of that. She wasn't able to, but as soon as she left the social welfare system and went to work, she was worse off. Minister, that seems to be the problem here, that people want to get into work, they want to make a contribution, but if they do that, they find, from a social welfare perspective, they're probably better off staying where they are in social welfare rather than working. We've got to make things easy for people to get back into the workforce, and we've got to make it easy for people on social welfare to survive as well, so it's a double-edged sword. 
No, I mean, look, I mean, work is always uh, is always better and it's up to government then to make sure that it does work out better then in terms of the benefits and the tax measures. That's why uh, we've decided to have universal benefits for electricity so that people aren't worrying about going over a threshold uh, to qualify for support uh, for for energy supports. That's why we've said that. Um, we, we we have schemes like the Family Income Supplement. We we want to make sure that there's, there's tax as part of this as well. It's not going to be the main part of it, but it is there uh, as part of it. Um, in terms of retrofitting, that's a really, really key priority. And I think we've we have started uh, with the retrofitting in terms of making it affordable. So it's available free. Um, now you'll, you'll have to wait a little while, but it's available free to a range of people uh, on 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 social welfare supports as well. Who are sorry, who who are on uh, fuel allowance? I mean, because that's obviously the most sensible thing to do. They are the most at risk uh, with those with those lower energy ratings. Um, but we have we also have eighty percent grants now, and I think that you'll find now in the budget and afterwards there will be even more uh, supports for retrofitting quite frankly apart from families uh, feeling the pain uh, we won't meet any of our climate targets so we have to do this for a number of reasons Okay, I want to put a quote to you. It's not attributed to you or your party but it's from the Thonish, the current Thonish, the um, Leo Varadkar when he said many years ago we want to look after the man and woman who get up early and go to work we're not feeling that and we're the ones well, everyone's getting up early to go to work well, that, well Siobhan who rang in I mean whether she's when she was not working and now when she's working she's getting up early because she's got kids at home so I think we've got a, this thing that the only people who get up early are the people who are working that's not the case so I'm not sure that it helps to divide society and some parties have tried to do that over the years to divide society and try to take uh, votes from them and maybe get electoral support Fianna Fáil has always adopted a different approach maybe, maybe to our disadvantage lately but we've tried to be as fair as possible across society that if you uh, can't afford um, if you're struggling we will help you and if you do well we will uh, praise that success and we're delighted for that success but if you can't get up that ladder uh, we'll very much help you and that's where we're trying to be is to try to get people up that ladder and if they can't get up that ladder that we give them whatever support uh, we, we, we want um, whatever support we can give um, and I think that's really really important and, and it's people like Siobhan that are going to be the entire focus of next week's budget and, and, and that's why like I mean look we, we've been criticised for a lot but the fact is the Irish economy uh, is now going at a stronger pace than ever now it's certainly there are choppy water ahead. Uh, but there are more people working in this country than ever before and that has led to increased corporation tax increased income tax, increased VAT increases all across the board and we're now able to use those increases to give help to families and working families like Siobhan's um, next week in the budget, apart from what we're going to do in terms of windfall tax with energy. Yeah, okay, we, we all know we have a robust economy. There's money in the bank there in order to be able to do things that we want to do. It's unlike the financial crisis um, back in uh, 2008 or thereabouts. However, if the situation persists, and it's looking highly likely that it will when you consider what's been happening in Russia, we could be in a very tricky spot this time next year with regards to unemployment in this country. Well, we're really, really conscious of that because we've obviously been there before as a country um, and we, we have, I suppose, tried to manage the country's finances as carefully as we can be. And there are certainly risks. There, are, there is no question that our corporation tax is coming in at record levels. That may not be there forever. But even today, I see another company uh, investing in this country. And we've, we've been really conscious that, yes, we are doing well, but, yes, we have to keep attracting investment into this country. And that's why the government has been really strong on this. Uh, we don't hear it from the opposition. 
we need to attract investment in. Why? Because we need the jobs and we need the taxes in that can support families uh, like Siobhan. And that's that's what we're going to be doing okay. next week. In the Minister, put those headphones on. I want to bring in uh, Neve Fallon, pres- president of the DKIT Students' Union, uh, is online. Uh, Neve, uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us. The Minister is here with us. Talk to me a little bit about how our best and brightest are trying to deal with this cost of living crisis and the implications of not being able to get accommodation particularly has on their third level education. Yeah, good morning. Uh, so absolutely, um, the accommodation crisis has hit uh, the whole way across the nation, but particularly in Dundalk, um, we are seeing even the digs options that we have available just isn't enough. Um, as much as the local community have sort of helped out uh, with offering their homes Many of them are only offering them for five days, whereas a lot of our students are commuting from away down the country and they do need the option of being able to stay seven days. So it's not really ideal. Um, but we do need the government to put some legislation in place around these tax options um, because there's nothing there to protect uh, both the landlords or the students. OK, but I, I want to ask you the consequences of not being able to get secure accommodation. Are you finding, for example, that individuals who have taken up or been offered a place have to defer that because they just can't get anywhere to stay? Yeah, absolutely. And a prime example of that is we actually have a student travelling from Poland uh, due to arrive with us this week and have had to defer their place because they purely just can't get anywhere to live. And I'd say now in the coming weeks, you know, some students are naive to the fact that they do need to get accommodation before they arrive to the college. Um, they're maybe under the impression that it's going to be ready and available when they arrive with us. So we might see more of deferrals uh, and dropouts within the next coming weeks. What about mental health issues being experienced by um, these younger adults as a result of what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. It's not even causing our students, uh, you know, stress and anxiety. It's causing their families as well. Going to third level education, it's a big jump from being in secondary school. So students and parents, they're a bit apprehensive about the whole scenario and uh, we're we are. We're trying to. Um, we're trying to comfort both the students, but also their families as well, because they are very distressed and they're worried about what lies ahead because it's entering the unknown. Let me bring you in there, Minister. Um, this is a much bigger conversation because it primarily it, its nucleus is essentially around accommodation, which is. Uh, it's crazy to think that our best and brightest are deferring places may in fact not go back into third level education because they can't get accommodation. No, I, I, I accept that there's a major issue with accommodation. Obviously, there's a housing crisis in the country and that's what why we've gone into government to try to address this. Uh, it, the housing crisis is our number one priority and that includes student accommodation because the more housing you bring into the market, the more then generally can become available uh, for students. Now, we have about 45,500 student accommodation beds at the moment. Trinity is opening 250 uh, this year, UCC 255, Galway later in next year nearly 700. Um, we need the Institutes of Technology to be able to have the power to uh, construct their own and to do more on that space and that's not the case. Now I'm, I'm glad that Neve mentioned the homeowners who are providing digs. I mean they can earn up to €14,000 a year uh, tax free and that's a significant benefit. Now there was one thing done last year which was a real help uh, to students in this particular area and I suspect quite a lot of local students going to Dundalk, going to Manu 
Luther at the universities in Dublin, um, in that we changed the non-adjacent student grant distance from 45 kilometres to 30 kilometres. So you look at a student going, say, for example, from Dunor uh, to Dundalk, uh, previously they would have been classed as adjacent, so close by. Yeah. And if they got the full grant, they would have got 1,415. That's now going up to over 3,000 euro because they're now classed uh, as non-adjacent, as further away. Now, there's a massive amount of students in Mead and Drogheda, I would say, who've benefited massively from this this year. That's a big boost. That's only That was announced in budget last year and it's only coming into effect now. And that, that's, a, that's something that I was campaigning for a long time and I was really glad that Minister Simon Harris, also in the commuter belt, uh, has brought this in. Uh, and that there's, a, I, I would say, hundreds if not thousands of local students benefiting from that this year. That's a real uh, substantive support. I would hope we'll see more supports uh, in the budget uh, next week for students. We've also brought in a 50% reduction in public transport uh, for young people aged between 17 and 24. This is, again, showing real benefits. And you can actually see buses are now much fuller, actually, now because because we've done that. It's a really sensible thing to do. So I'd say what I'd say is we're deeply conscious uh, of the needs of students and we're deeply conscious of, of the housing crisis as well. And everything we do is directed at that. Um, there were, you've much, in Ireland, you're much more likely to attend third level than you are in almost any other country in the world, in fact. And that's really positive. And what does that do? It creates Ireland as a, as a place for investment, a place for jobs. Uh, you're going to earn more money uh, if you have a degree or a master's uh, again. Uh, and that's really, really positive. So I think we've done a lot right in this country by massively expanding higher education. And yes, there are problems, but our attention is directed at those problems that Neve has addressed here and rightly addressed. And I want to thank her and all the students' unions for the incredible work they do representing their colleagues. OK, stay there uh, with us, Minister. Just before we go to a break, just one comment that came in. Alan, please don't mention my name on air. I'm a single mum of two. And today is Friday. I got paid yesterday. I haven't got two red cents left as I haven't paid my gas. So that's what I have to worry about, amongst other things. Contacted Vincent de Paul a few weeks ago. They've helped me in the past. But this time, a male member rang me and told me, maybe I should go to a money lender. Have you had the back-to-school allowance? Have you had the fuel allowance? You should be able to manage. So, in essence, they're not going to contact them again. And, in fact, this woman says she feels ashamed that she had to go and contact the Vincent de Paul in the first place. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Now, if you want to text us, to text us 0861800658 with Alan Cantwell on the Michael Reed Show until 11 o'clock, listening to the real stories of the hardship that people are facing in the cost of living crisis. I want to thank Neve Fallon, President of DKIT Students Union, who joined us just prior to the break to try and get some clarity around the difficulties that uh, she is hearing from third level students in relation to accommodation. Now, Ashling Lowe is founder of the Mead Food Bank. It's based in Trim which helps people living in food poverty. She joins us uh, this morning. Ashling, good morning. Thanks so much for taking our call. Can you tell us firstly a little bit of the history of the food bank and how it has evolved and the difficulties that the people coming to you face? Um, hello, good morning. How are you? Um, yeah, we are now situated in Navin. We're based in Navin now. We moved from Trim. But... Um, I started the food bank with my friend Sarah Lee in 2017. Um, before that, I would have I would have um, operated a soup run with a bunch of volunteers in Dublin. Um, you know, I done that from 2014 up to 2017. But it was there was a lot of people in need, very needy, who I was getting requests from left, right, and centre. Um, asking for help. So um, I decided then that maybe 
I'd be best served looking after the people in our community and um, also assist in Dublin, you know, with um, food for the homeless. Now, things obviously have shifted since 2017 to now because, you know, things were pretty stable economically and there wasn't a whole lot of poverty or need amongst the broader community in your area. That's changed now, though, I presume. Yeah, it was. There was still needy people back then, but not as much as the need we have now. Um, At the minute, it's costing the food bank €1,800 a week uh, to run to keep our shelves stocked with food. Um, We're looking after at least um, 12 to 13 families a day. Um, So our numbers, you know, some days it's busier than others. We've seen our numbers jump dramatically dramatically, especially with elderly people. Where do you get your food from? Um, We're a registered charity, so people donate, and then people donate food to us, and then we actually, we buy our food as we need it. So we buy, like, from Aldi, Little. Uh, Tesco, because Tesco have a, a very good selection of the baby products and the baby milks that we give out to families that need. So you, you have families coming looking for baby food? Yeah, I had a lady, um, two ladies who called to the food bank on, um, what day was it, Wednesday, and they were looking for just baby items only. Now, we deliver, we deliver food, but they were so desperate for baby milk that they called. They actually called to the door um, looking for baby milk um, because they, had, they hadn't anything to feed, their, to feed their infants. Minister, that's a pretty damning indictment. A family going to a food bank, not looking for food for themselves, but looking for baby food for their children. Look, I, I, I have um, huge uh, sympathy and empathy and I think practical solutions from the government. I mean, I want to thank Ashling and everybody involved in the, in the Mead Food Bank for all of the work that they do and all of the people in food banks around the country. Uh, they're doing incredible work. And yes, they, they are. Ashling is a, a, runs a registered charity and they raise funds. And there's also substantial government support for food banks around the country as well. I mean, in total, our food programmes in between one thing and another is about 400 million that we give out. I think um, the, the Mead Food Bank has benefited from European and government funding and uh, that's provided for that and I very much welcome that and it's spent so well uh, here in Mead by Ashley and her colleagues. Um, look, food poverty is a, is, is a serious issue for the programme for government. Um, the minister is Joe O'Brien. He's established the Food Poverty Working Group last year and he worked with all of the charities to try and see what are the best solutions we can get for people in this situation. So uh, what I'd say is that the ESRI does measure food poverty and I know we've more people in the country now and that's that's obviously an issue but I mean the percentage has gone down from 13.1 in 2015 to about 8.9 it's too high I'm not I'm not saying that still, uh, still people are and, coming and up to, to ab- our door ab- looking ab- for ab- food absolutely and the government is absolutely uh, determined to support that another thing that the government has done and has expanded this now in the last year or so is in terms of the, the food programmes to schools uh, so there's a, a wide range of schools uh, in County Meath and County Loud where the children in some cases all of them get hot meals in some cases cases there's breakfast clubs that's a really important part of what we do the school across the road St Oliver's as I understand every child gets a meal in there for example the leak schools 
uh, were brought into that scheme this year. It may not be just fully up and running yet, uh, but there's quite a number of schools that are brought into it this year. If you go over to Colosh de Clavin in Longwood as well, they're all part of these schemes uh, as well. And it's, it's, it's a multifaceted approach, whether it's through schools, whether it's through food banks, or increasing social welfare supports for those most vulnerable. And we, we've, we, we've done that, we're doing that, and we are totally indebted to people like Ashling and all our colleagues who do the work on the ground as well. But we are there to support them uh, and to try to grow the economy as well so that we, we, we eventually won't need this. OK, Ashling, you listen to what the Minister had to say there with the solutions and with what the government is being doing. But you're at the coal face of it. What's the solution? What's the simple solution um, from your I, perspective? I've had absolutely no support from the government. Um, we're a voluntary group and we do it all off of our own back. Um, I have volunteers who are retired people. I have volunteers who are actual service users. Um, who want to give back and the only way they can give back is to come into the food bank and help on Sundays and um, that's a pride thing people are very you know they have their pride they want to do something to help and they don't want to be always asking for help without you know giving a hand as well which is much appreciated by us Um, our services are absolutely stretched to the max um, we were very, very fortunate enough that uh, Councillor Alan Loss was able to give us some of his, you know, the, the discretionary fund that they're allocated as councillors. We're very lucky. We're relying on that. Um, we rely on the donations from businesses around County Mead. We solely rely on the community to keep our food bank um, up and running but as for government government assistance no we have had none we've had great support from as I said Councillor Loss and we've had um, phenomenal support from Padder Tobin um, when my food bank was running I had a little cabin at the side of my house which was donated to me and I was running my food bank out of that for a good few years um, and I went. the council came and told me that I would have to stop running my food bank from the side of my house and feeding people because um, it, I was running a business, which I wasn't running a business. Okay. I was giving bags of food to people. They told me that they would evict me and my son from my home only for Padre Tobin. Okay. He offered us an office. And we were able to keep going. And it was the time when we were needed the most. It was true lockdown. OK, well, we're, we're, no go, we're, going, we're going off track yeah, here slightly. We're going off track. I understood. As I understood. So I, I mean, had no government. OK, well, there no is... So, hang on, so hang on no. a second. I only want one voice and I want to wrap it up with just with a final comment yeah. from the Minister on it. Well, I, as I understood it, I mean, at least one, if, and I thought it was your food bank, was getting support from the FEAD programme of the Department and of the European Union. And that's available and charities can apply for that. Uh, and there's dozens of, of food banks around the country getting that. I had understood yours was receiving that. If not, no. I, I certainly would be very happy to help you because lots of food banks are receiving that funding, uh, including the Trim Family Resource Centre, for example. OK, we, we leave it at that. Ashling, thank you for that. But I want to put another question to the Minister that came in over the course of the past couple of days. Uh, can you please ask the Minister, uh, is there anything in the upcoming budget to help single people get on the property market? Everything seems to be geared towards helping couples and families get on the property ladder and rightly so but what about those on their own do they not deserve the same opportunities 
Yeah, well, in fact, during the summer, um, Alan, we and, and in the last budget, we launched a scheme called the First Home Scheme. And there's a website there, firsthomescheme.ie, which gives the full information on that. And look, let, let's just go to the maximum, say in County Mead, the maximum house purchase price is €350,000. Uh, if you're earning two, uh, sorry, if you're earning €70,000 for that house, the idea is that you would get a mortgage of 245000 Uh You get, then you can use the help to buy scheme to get a 10% deposit if you don't have the deposit. And then there's a remainder of about 70000 which is left. Um, and the government, uh, in terms of 20%, uh, could be up to 30%, though. Um, but in this case, we say it's 20%, 70000 The government then will buy the remainder of the house. It's like a shared ownership scheme. So the full details of that are available on firsthomescheme.ie. So somebody even on less than 70,000, will be able to buy a house in County Mead under that scheme. There's no if, doubt about if it. If they can get a house. If they can get a house. But the, like, there are, there's a major problem with the rental market at the moment, but there are, there are certainly houses for sale out there. And I would urge that listener to look at the firsthomescheme.ie. I think it's a brilliant scheme and it does help single people and it does help people who are earning that bit more as well, uh, as well as trying to include everybody because, I mean, some of the schemes that were proposed have had very limited incomes, but, uh, but this would help someone buy quite a good house uh, in County Mead and then if you want to go at lower prices as well obviously the figures come down but that is a really good scheme it took us a long time to get it introduced because it required European approval it required all the banks to come on board and we heard from the opposition the banks weren't coming on board well they're all on board Uh, and the first step is to try and get mortgage approval in an amount and then look for a house but go to that website the full details are there People are in a rent spiral and a rent trap. I'll come to that in a moment because we need to really look at that in terms of giving supports. But let's take a break first. Michael Reed on LMFM. Welcome back to the programme. Minister Thomas Byrne is going to stay with us for the remainder of the programme. We still have uh, more to get through between now and 11 o'clock. Minister, just before the break there, we were talking about rent, rent supports. We're heading into generation rent in this country if something doesn't happen pretty soon. But in the short term, supports for tenants who are facing huge rental payments every month. I'm not in a position to speculate on the budget next week, but I certainly would be strongly supportive of whatever measures we can bring in to help tenants. Uh, and I know that all of us in, in Fianna Fáil at our meetings of ministers, meetings of TDs, we've all raised this as, as really, really important. I'm hoping that will happen. We have brought in a number of measures uh, and it's like we're always trying to play catch up, it seems, in this. But I really do want to see really specific supports for tenants next week. Do you see that going hand in hand with supports, maybe some sort of tax relief for landlords because remember landlords do play a role when it comes to the rental sector and they're leaving like rats uh, on a sinking ship. Well we, we, we certainly want to stem that flow of people leaving the market because it's um, it's creating a very very difficult situation. There's a huge amount of people going into uh, homelessness mainly because of landlords leaving the markets. We have to stop that. I mean we've done it before during COVID in terms of uh, stopping evictions for a temporary period. Uh, I know that, that that is certainly under consideration. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Um, but if we can give practical support to keep people in their home, but also to help them pay the rent, uh, I think I'd, I'd certainly be looking forward to the budget next week on that. OK, let's uh, see what's happening then in the farming community. We're joined by Dermot Ward, who's chair of Meath IFA, and has a tillage and beef farm between Navin and uh, Slane. Uh, Dermot, thanks for joining us this morning. How difficult, you, difficult is it out there for members? Uh, Alan, look, many thanks for the invite today. Just here to represent farmers' views in the North East. I mean, farmers are facing huge inflation on their inputs at the moment. At the moment, uh, input prices have increased by over 40%. Uh, that's meaning fertiliser, ESB, fuel. Um, really, 
and our output prices. Now, we've had wonderful weather at harvest time and we've had good prices also, but our prices have only risen by 10%. Okay, so, so, so putting it simply, what you're paying for what's coming in is costing you more than what you're getting more, for going out. Absolutely, but way But what sort of percentages are we talking about, well, roughly? Well, in the difference is 40% increase in in input costs and we're only got a 10% increase on our output, on our sales. So there's a huge shortfall there. And last year, for in, sorry, a year and a half ago, um, we bought tractor diesel for 38 cent a litre. Now it's one euro 38 cent a litre. So the why would you thing. be a farmer? Well, I suppose it's a, it's a lifestyle choice, really. And um, for many farmers in County Mead and in the whole North East, many of them would have, um, you know, inherited their farms from, uh, from families uh, in the past. And also, Alan, not alone uh, families, but farm families and farm households, they are actually also... Uh, facing the same problems as urban dwellers. Well, it's not the first time that the farming community has gone through a difficult period. I mean, you don't have to look too far back in history to see the difficulties they've faced. However, in every difficulty or in every downturn, there's always an opportunity. So should we be looking at opportunities for the future to try and insulate ourselves from this sort of thing happening again? I'm talking about changing farming practices, what we produce, how we produce it. Yes, indeed. Yeah, far, Farmers are, are certainly very, very anxious to meet all the challenges. And I mean, in the new latest climate action programme, we have been set very onerous targets, actually, by the government. Uh, the government wants us uh, to reduce our emissions by 25%, which is really a very onerous task. And uh, farmers have invested in new technology. They have invested in what we call the LESS, Low Emission Slurry Spreading Scheme, which is actually uh, good for the land. It's also Just, just reduce the national herd. Well, you see, th- this is... This is the economics of the whole of the whole country, really. You know, as as regards reductions, but 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 at the moment, at the moment, um, farmers uh, are looking to uh, to join an agri environmental scheme, and all of these things would be all a vol- on a voluntary basis. And um, in the past, we've had an agri environment scheme that would have paid farmers like €10,000 in the past. But the new scheme, which has been brought in by the government at the moment, really is only going to bring out, bring about €5,000 to farmers. Farming is like any other business. You You need to have a bottom line. Yeah, and you need to survive and you've got to balance the books. What will the state of farming be in in Ireland from, from your experience in a year's time? Well... Well, we're moving into a very, very volatile price regime and really farmers in the North East really are really worried. It's not alone this year, it's next year uh, where the where costs have risen phenomenally and they're just wondering where the markets will be in a year's time. I mean, if this war in the Ukraine, I mean, it really has has changed the whole dynamic of farming, of prices, even even down to fertiliser. People think yes. about the importance of fertiliser in terms of turning around crops and what that is costing at the moment. At the it moment. is substantial. Yeah, well, well fertiliser nitrogen is actually made from gas and the price of gas has increased really three times uh, in the last year and a half. And actually last week, Yara actually closed another uh, nitrogen producing plant in Europe because the price of gas was so high.
Minister, do you want to come in there and yeah. maybe try and bring some clarity or confidence um, to Dermot and his members? Well, look, first of all, I mean, and, and, and I acknowledge uh, and thank Dermot for, for his work and farmers' work. Quite frankly, we wouldn't have food on the table at all if it wasn't for the farmers. Uh, so they're doing absolutely essential work uh, and they're always under pressure of, of various kinds. In terms of direct supports to farmers over the last couple of years, um, there's been about €2 billion Euro uh, in, in Irish and EU payments in each year to farmers since this government came into to office uh, through schemes or through direct payments. And that's absolutely essential because, quite frankly, we wouldn't have the farmers here uh, without the common agricultural policy. So, so I certainly support that. The big issues at the moment are that, um, the, as Dermot has rightly pointed out, the price of natural gas feeding in uh, to the price of fertiliser. That's a really, really serious problem at the moment. Uh, now, there's, we can't sort of do much about that by just increasing payments. What we're trying to do, and again it's been done at a collective level at the European uh, level, is to try and reduce the price of inputs, especially at natural gas. So there's a lot of work going on in terms of energy costs, but also there is work going on that we're not quite ready with yet, which is to cap the price of gas we pay to Russia and to Norway. I mean, that sounds like a very easy thing to do. This is all we pay you. But, but unfortunately it's not because if countries decide not to sell you the gas at that price then you can't get any. So there's, there's a lot of work going on uh, in relation to that. That's really, really critical. Ireland has also played a huge role uh, in the Security Council in terms of working with Turkey, working with Ukraine uh, to try to get uh, grain and grain products out of Ukraine. Uh, so we've done a lot of work on that and that's obviously to help prevent famine across the world but it also then has knock-on positive impacts on us in terms of helping to get more grain into the system, which then reduces the price, uh, not just in terms of the inputs that, that Dermot has, but, I mean, Dermot talks about he's only got a 10% increase in, in the cost of his product, and, and that's not enough to cope with the cost that you're having, but that 10% increase then feeds into the supermarket, which is an even higher rate that people have to pay extra. So all of these things are linked, and we're working in terms of direct supports uh, to farmers, direct supports to people who are suffering from food poverty, as we've already discussed, but also trying to make sure those those levels at the glo- those issues at the global level whether it's gas or grain from Ukraine, are dealt as well. And the Irish government is involved in all of those things uh, to try uh, to give people a break at the moment, essentially. You want to see something tangible from the Minister for Finance. What do you want to hear from him, Dermot? Well, well, first of all, I'd like to compliment um, um, the the, uh, the Agriculture Minister for bringing in the Straw and Corporation Scheme, which which really is a green and a biodiverse measure. And can I explain it to your your listeners here? I mean, when when... corn is harvested, whether it's wheat or barley or whatever, like the grain goes in the front, goes into the tank of the combine, and the straw comes out the back. But this particular measure, uh, the straw is actually chopped and incorporated back into the soil. So it's a way of actually of actually producing our own fertiliser back into the soil. It's also a green and a biodiverse measure as well. So that is one of, one of the things that we have to compliment uh, the Minister for bringing in the past and he's going to roll, we hope that he will roll that on. So these are the type of measures that will both benefit uh, the yeah, economy, but the, ben- benefit sure, farmers, the, the, it will benefit big, it's a win-win for everybody. The big ticket items that you're looking for in terms of your budget submission for 2023, what do you need to hear from the Minister for Finance that will alleviate some of the financial pressures you're going to face well, uh, well of course really the, one of the one of the the main things would be a new environmental scheme a new agri environmental scheme because the the gloss agri environmental scheme finishes on December of this year it was rolled over for two years as it was uh, one of the issues that's raised with us in IFA by farmers in in county mead is 
if there'll be a gap year, if they will be able to roll from one scheme into the other, will there be a gap year in between where they won't have any uh, agri-environmental fire agri-environmental scheme? That is a that is a huge issue. You've been around the block, you've seen things, you've been through recessions, even some would say depressions in terms of what you had to witness. Not just, I suppose, from the way Ireland has gone as a country, but in farming. I want to get your view on that in terms of what was it like then compared to now. But I'll take a quick break first. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now we're fast coming towards the end of the programme. I've Dermot Ward, who's chair of the Meath IFA, still with us in the studio. I don't want to let you go, Dermot, but just to ask you from your own experience, your own life experience, and what you have seen and witnessed um, in this country as a farmer, as a citizen. It's tough now, but do you are you optimistic we'll get through it? We'll be through worse. Um, well, really, when we start, when I started out in farming, I guess there was one billion people in the world. Now we're approaching two billion people, and really we have to feed them, and that's the the long and the short of it. And we have to have the means to to feed them. We also have to have the finance to finance the the uh, all, the production of this food. And one of the things we're very very good at in Ireland is producing food and producing quality food. Okay, Dermot, thanks for joining us. Uh, We're fast running out of time, Ministers. A couple of things I just want to raise with you that has uh, come into us over the course of the past hour or so. Uh, I'd like to know if the government is planning to do anything to help those of us who have to commute to work. Not everyone has the choice to work from home, unfortunately. Yeah, look, as a commuter belt TD and as somebody who commuted for a number of years uh, and still commute around the place, but but certainly I was a commuting worker before I was ever elected to politics, um, I'm deeply conscious of, of the massive need to improve public transport. We've done that. We've the Navin rail line on the agenda now as well. But what we've done on a practical basis already this year is we cut public transport fares uh, by 20% uh, at the end of April. We've done actually more for the, the younger age groups as well. They're very, very cheap public transport now. Um, that has been extended, as I understand it, to private companies as well. Uh, the whole Leap Card thing has been rolled out more where people can get even better discounts uh, and I would expect, I would hope, that we'll see even more for public transport uh, in the budget this uh, this week and also I fully acknowledge that not everybody can use a bus or a train. I wish they could but not everybody can if they work at various hours. Uh, so we did cut uh, fuel duty uh, on petrol and diesel and look, let's see what the, what the budget brings us next week. Major bone of contention and it has been for years is the universal social charge I presume it's going nowhere, even though everyone wants it to go somewhere. Well, they want it to go somewhere, but the problem <laughs> is that it's funding a lot of public services and a lot yeah, of... Yeah, but it was stu- only one of those sorry, temporary uh, little uh, arrangements, I, I, you know. I, 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 I don't remember it being that temporary at the time. I mean, look, at the time we were in a major crisis and we've gone through this programme... Um, with a list of things that we all want done we all agree need to be done and everybody who's come on your show today has raised really important issues whether it's serious personal difficulties that people at home are facing we've got to have taxes coming in I think in Ireland to be fair we have it doesn't feel like it I know when people are paying tax but it is one of the fairest tax systems uh, in Europe Um, you know corporations are paying a huge part of the tax at the moment which is not a good thing and either. The, and no, it's well, it, it, certainly there are risks with that. So the reason the USC was brought in at the time uh, was to have some stability in the tax system so that we can continue to provide public services to all of us and not just the poorest of the poor, obviously, are our priority, but also that people who are working as well uh, need some benefit from the tax system too. And that's why, for example, that's one of the reasons we can pay uh, for reduction in public transport fares. It's one of the reasons we can pay uh, to help people uh, buy affordable homes. Or it'll be one of the reasons why we can say we're getting these taxes in, but if we can, I hope, uh, 
that renters would I hope get some some kind of a break uh, in relation to that. That's all funded uh, by, by by taxes. So we have to have taxes there. They're there forever. The job for us is to make sure that they are as fair as possible. Okay, you're not privy to what's going to be no. said in the budget. However, you have a rough idea and expectation yourself. But do you think that the landscape will be fundamentally different this time next week, that there will be that sense of confidence? Look, the landscape was fundamentally changed the day Putin invaded Ukraine. That's the reality. That has been the cause, really, of all of the increases in natural gas or the increase in oil. So we've then got to respond as best we can. We feel that we've managed the economy together with the people in Ireland who've been working really hard over the last couple of years to make sure that we have money available in the budget next week that we can spend in the fairest way possible to help people and protect people. But we've also got to do that work at a global level. And I know it's not the most interesting and the Security Council is removed from people's lives or even the EU table. But there's a huge amount of work going on there fundamentally to reduce the price of energy. And it is the price of energy that's feeding into uh, Dermot's fertiliser that's feeding into the prices on your supermarket shelf that's making you worry about your bills. And there's a huge amount of work going on. I'll be in Brussels next Friday. Minister Ryan will be in Brussels next Friday where I hope we'll have finalisation on a directive where we'll be able to take money off the energy companies and give it back to the Irish people. I'm also hoping, again, and we're not fully there yet in terms of agreement among all of the member states, but I'm hoping uh, that the European Union can look at buying gas together and capping the price of it. That will have a dramatic effect on people's bills if we can get that over the line. There are some countries who are not in favour of this and it's even difficult to see at the moment how exactly it would work but we are working really really hard to do that because that is the root cause of a huge amount of problems we have a really successful economy at the moment but it is overshadowed by the price of gas and the price of oil the government is doing everything it can to relieve this but ultimately uh, until uh, Ukraine wins this war and until uh, we can remove our dependence on Putin uh, for gas and that has started to be fair um, and people have seen prices come down in, 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 in petrol pumps I hope that will continue I can't guarantee that uh, but our work at international level okay. is helping towards that Now you wouldn't presumably it would be folly to rule out the possibility of an emergency budget in the first quarter of next year if the situation continues. Well, look, let's not talk about emergency budgets, but when the cost of living crisis uh, became apparent after Putin invaded Ukraine, the government reacted with two and a half billion of supports this year after the budget. Now, in previous times, that would have been called an emergency budget, but what, what it was was a, a package of cost of living measures to help people on a practical basis. And they included direct energy credits onto people's bills. It included increased fuel allowance. Uh, and it included that public transport reduction that I spoke about, and that adds up to about two and a half billion. Uh, so that was real significant help. So, yes, we will do whatever it takes to protect the Irish people, and I have no shame in saying that. Okay, I just want to try and get through this uh, before we wrap it up. Pat McDade from Drogheda. Alan, Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue and the Doyle PQ responses. In June this year informed the TDs that 99% of households were paid the 200 electricity credit. He also informed the Doyle that 11% of all tax units had income of over 100,000 per annum in 2021. 45 million was paid to this group of high earners because of the universality of this payment. Michael O'Leary, for example, is on record as saying he does not want want the payment uh, and he doesn't need this particular payment and wants to to go to the government and not to give it to him. This 45 million should be redirected to those 
on carers allowance or to those on fuel allowance uh, who are means tested down to the last red cent. I mean, it's it's a fairly well, reasonable thing to say. Well, well, it is. Um, however, there's two issues. One is that it's it's much easier just to hand it out because it, it costs a lot of money then to start applying for these things. That's the difficulty. Like it, it, then everybody would have to apply for it if they weren't on fuel allowance. So that's it. That's that stops stops it for months. If Michael Leary wants to hand it back, he's free to do so. Um, we've given the the children's allowance is given out to everybody, uh, and the reason for that is that nobody ever assumed, I suppose, uh, what the personal family circumstances were at the time and it was targeted at children. We want to make sure that everybody gets this. Yes, there will be people who get it who don't need it. I've no doubt about that. But if we didn't do it the way we did it, there'd be a huge amount of people who actually need it wouldn't get it or they wouldn't apply for it or we'd we'd be on the radio here today arguing about people who applied and didn't get it or their application was lost and all of that. So we handed it out because it was an emergency and we'll do that again next week. Minister, thank you for joining us and indeed to all our guests who joined us for this special over the past two hours. I thank you for your input and hopefully we've managed to bring some clarity to the questions that you raised. we got to leave it there. I want to thanks, thank everyone on the team, Maggie, Chris, Marie. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Michael's back on Monday. Till then, good morning. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 4237.